0: Peace Misfits, as we continue to observe Mental Health Awareness Month, I want to introduce all of you to your safe space and your void. These are two places you can come to heal, to remove negative energy and to fill your love and light tanks. Your void is the room on the other side of your eyelids. It's what I consider to be the waiting room to your safe space. Over time, your void will begin to feel more full, more comfortable for you. Though it's complete darkness, there will be a warmth you'll begin to feel when you arrive to your void over time. A familiarity that will allow you to open up more in preparation for your safe space. In your void, you can practice your breaths, your mantras, or your chants. In your waiting room, You can then prepare yourself for your stage, which I call your safe space. Your safe space shows up when you take time to think of a place in your life that has been peace and joy for you. A place where you felt safe and okay with being fully who you are. This could be a childhood home, a friend's house, your first home by yourself, A beach, a mall, your grandparents' house. (laughs) Your safe space could be any number of places. I ask that you choose one. Choose a place that you can go to whenever you need to escape the world just for a minute or more. I also take into consideration that some of us have never found a safe space. And this shouldn't halt your healing. If you don't have a safe space, Your void shall be it. Before we continue, I want to make sure you're breathing properly. Take a moment to focus on your inhales and exhales. Remember to inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. So, What I want you to do for me is to create this world. Envision this safe space clearly. See this world building around you, whether the place is outside or inside. Remember, no matter who you are, in this moment, you're technically still in your void. So don't imagine existing in the actual world you're creating until I ask you to open your third eye. Now. Once you've completed creating your safe space, take a few deep inhales and exhales, and then open your third eye. Remove the darkness of your void to arrive in your safe space. Now a trick. I normally tell my students to imagine the darkness rising like a curtain to reveal their safe space. Maybe this will make it easier for you. I found using this visual tends to help. Now take it in. Turn around for a full 360. This is your safe space. This is the place where you'll continue with your meditation journey next week. Let yourself sit here for a minute and take it all in. Maybe even pause this podcast if you need to. Once you've taken in your safe space, close your third eye. Return to your void. Open your two eyes and be still for a moment. Relish in your calmness, in your stillness. For next week, we practice loving kindness. I hope this has helped. I hope your mind, body, and spirit are now ready to begin our journey into the show. And with that said, misfits, let's get healed. Welcome to The Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am your host, Sensei Raven Ekundayo. Now here's the deal misfits, I recorded this already, as a matter of fact it was 50 minutes long. When I went back to look at it though, only 10 minutes. In the history of this podcast, this is episode 79, in the history of this podcast I think this has only happened one or two other times. But even though it only happened one or two other times that does not make it any less frustrating any less frustrating for any of you listening who host podcasts you know that feeling of thinking that you knocked it out that first good time then to find out that all of that original energy that you put into it yeah it pretty much meant nothing because now you have to do it all over again i myself take it as the universe saying to me i had no business making it 50 minutes long and that it could be far shorter than that and so that's exactly what we're going to do I'm gonna cut back on all the extra talking that I did and just knock out all of this as quickly as possible. (laughs) First, I want to take a moment to thank D. Rashad Battle for that last episode, episode 78: Healing Through the Fire. It was a great episode. We got awesome feedback, and we're gonna go into that feedback in good news. Also, There's something new that I'm working on. After a conversation with my dear friend D'Angelo, I'm coming up with something called Queer Black Men Healing Together. We're going to talk about that in Good News as well. It's something positive that I hope I can begin here. No, I will begin here in Atlanta and hope that I can push out further into other states and cities as well. So that's something that you'll be able to hear about in Good News, both of those two things. Okay, so let's get into my weekend. So the way that my weekend looked was Friday, I decided that I wasn't going to go onto campus. I let my supervisor know actually a week in advance. However, the way it ended up working out is that I was working and doing so much with my kids throughout the week, getting them jobs, getting them, you know, to go take their checkups and everything that I didn't have an opportunity to just stop and chill out for myself and take my day off. So one of my coworkers was like, you should just make it Friday since you haven't been able to do it all week long. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm taking off on Friday. So that was my mental health day. But even with that, I I don't remember the last time I truly had a mental health day. Because even when I'm not on my 9 to 5, I'm still working on things all the time. So yeah, that was very interesting. But uh, (laughs) I rest, I I did as much as I could as far as resting goes. But of course, it's all things with the, the podcast, both podcasts. Wrestling Wild black and THS. So yeah, I need an actual legit vacation away from everything. It soon comes though. It soon comes. Saturday, I started off the morning teaching yoga. And then after that, I went to look at a house. So I'm asking all of you misfits out there to please pray for a brother that I get this house. Send out love and light if you don't pray. Uh, I would just greatly appreciate it. Uh, this would be a wonderful Final puzzle piece to my journey here in Atlanta. To be able to end up with this home, I feel like everything finally is in place. Everything that I've worked towards in the last two years will finally be in place if I get this house. So yeah, thank you. And then on Sunday, as I do every other Sunday, I taught at the top of Stone Mountain. Well, I teach on top of Stone Mountain and I do Piedmont Park. I go in between the two. But it was a great class. And I want to take a moment to to show love and light toward my uh, weekly students, and my students who come to the mountain with me and come to Piedmont Park. I want to say thank you to all of you for your dedication. It doesn't matter if you're doing yoga, if you're working out with the personal trainer, no matter what it is, it takes dedication to constantly show up and want better for you. And so I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for loving yourself enough to want to constantly grow in your practice, be it meditation, be it yoga, be it Reiki, be it life coaching, whatever it is that I'm able to provide to all of you, I wanna say thank you to each of my students, my clients, for always loving yourself enough to constantly keep showing up for what it is that you want to get out of what it is that I bring to you. Thank you. And also, I've been working on this podcast. (laughs) That has made up a great amount of my Sunday as well. Uh, When I was on top of the mountain, I was doing a pose, uh, a challenge that my bro Clyde, one of my brogies, he had actually put out, I think maybe two weeks ago, but I'm a man of my word and I was finally able to do it. However, and I don't know what it was that ended up happening, but I went to do this pose and when I did, I got a massive headache. Like it hit me right in the very base of my neck. And it made its way all the way up to the middle and I fell down onto my mat. I just needed to lay there for a minute. It felt like, you know, when you get a brain freeze. So I'd had to lay there for a minute. So it hasn't really left. So it's kind of giving me the feeling that it may be my allergies. And I'm saying that because it feels very much like an allergy headache. And like my sinuses are acting crazy and stuff. So I don't know if it just hit at that moment. I don't know, but it was really weird. Uh, I do know I will be going to the hospital tomorrow if I don't feel better. Um, but yeah, so, cause that, that hit me out of nowhere. Oh, that felt horrible. But yeah, so that was my weekend. It was much longer in the original recording. (laughs) Now we move into the culture of pop. So first, starting with The Lion King, The Gift. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the soundtrack before I got into the movie because I have not seen the film. I don't necessarily care to see the film but we'll get to that when we get to the movie however the gift yeah so i posted on facebook that for me this is probably second only to the waiting to exhale soundtrack which i think is the greatest soundtrack ever created the gift is just that amazing to me it's i feel like i can listen to it for years and years to come i honestly do and i love afrobeats love them. You know, long before Black Panther, long before The Gift, I was into Afrobeats. And so having this now become a thing where people are putting more and more of a light onto it is doing something for me. I love it. When I say that I, I think I started listening to this on Friday. It's Sunday now. And I've made sure, like even with Yoga Today on the Mountain, this was the soundtrack that everyone was flowing to, was The Gift. I love it from start to finish, I really, really do. Kudos to Beyonce, to shedding this light on all of these artists who people may not be familiar with the same way Babyface did for the Waiting to Sale soundtrack. It's just good. From start to finish, it is a, a wonderful compilation, a wonderful compilation. So I put down some of my favorite songs. This is in no particular order. I personally love the entire project, but the ones that really stand out to me are Don't Jealous Me, Find your way back. My power, which might be my favorite song. Um, Brown skin girl, which is beautiful. Shout out to Blue Ivy (laughs) and Mood forever. Well, forever. Forgive me. (laughs) I, I I can't stress enough that I really love this project. If you haven't had an opportunity to hear it, do yourself a favor and listen to it. And and I mean share by all means. Hit me back, let me know how you really feel about it. If you don't like it, just let me know why. But I think across the board, everyone would love this project. So we go from The Lion King The Gift to the actual Lion King The Movie. Now, my reason for not wanting to see it is because even as a kid, I wasn't really into The Lion King. It, it just wasn't for me, you know? Uh, it's not even in my top five favorite Disney films. I know that's like blasphemy, especially being black. Um, Aladdin is my favorite Disney movie. So it's still somebody of color. Uh, but however, it doesn't really matter all of the negative, rev- and it received a lot of bad reviews, horrible Rotten Tomatoes score, but it raked in 185 million at the box office for its first weekend, 185 million. It is now the highest grossing live action adaptation of all time. So it doesn't really matter that I didn't like it. (laughs) It doesn't really matter that it got a bad Rotten Tomatoes score or that a lot of reviews were horrible, you know? They gave really, really bad reviews of this movie. Doesn't matter. It still did what it needed to do, you know? And it got an A-plus cinema score. So the people who went to see it didn't necessarily agree with the people who reviewed it. So there you have that. I've been told by friends that if I want to see it, they'll pay for me to see it because they think it's just that good. I may take them up on that. (laughs) So it's not me not wanting to pay for it because I think it'll be bad. I just have never been a big Lion King person. I went to see the Broadway show and I thought that was phenomenal. But the movie itself never really did anything for me. If I can be honest, I fell asleep on it a few times. That's just me. You know, we all have our different movies that we don't necessarily care for. Now, what I thought was intriguing was that the movie was separated like this. It was 44% white and 22% black. I think it was 15% uh, Latinx and uh, 5% Asian and other. But that really stuck out to me that it was 44% white and 22% black. And I think it was surprising to me because so many people expected this to be, you know, like a moment the way that it was, for Black Panther, you know? And I was one of those people. I assumed that everyone was gonna come out in their finest garb and, you know, it was going to be an experience, kids. You know, there are there gonna be field trips to go see it and everything. And who knows, that could still end up happening. As I record this, the movie has only been out for, what, two or three days. So that really could end up becoming a thing. However, 44% white to 22% black is very different from 37% black to, I think, like maybe 34% white for Black Panther that is a difference that is a difference there's a, a huge difference in the amount of white people who went to go see it as compared to black for the lion king i just found that to be interesting but kudos to everybody from john favreau to uh childish gambino slash da- danny glover danny really wow and the way i love him for me to make that mistake donald glover <laughs> beyonce Alfred woodard james earl jones everyone in the cast Congratulations on, you know, making history at the box office. Speaking of making history at the box office, then we, we then go into Endgame, The Avengers Endgame, as it has made massive history. It is now the highest grossing movie of all time. It has beat Avatar, and it was gunning for Avatar from the gate, <laughs> even though Kevin Feige says they were not. He could be telling the truth, but I don't believe Bob Iger Iger felt that way. I think he wanted for one of the movies from Disney to be the number one grossing of all time. Even though with them um, now owning Fox, that would be Avatar anyway. So either way, they had the highest grossing film. But I think they wanted one that was actually in-house. So, and now they have it, you know? And uh, so here's how close it is. Here's how close it is. Endgame is now at... 2 billion 790 avatar is at 2 billion 789 there's the difference 790 to 789 just that close you know just that close but in game did it so congratulations <laughs> to the juggernaut which is disney which is attempting to control everything <laughs> then we go to san diego comic-con a lot of really amazing news came out of comic-con so i wanted to start off first with telling you all about uh when marvel came out so when marvel came out which the funny thing is is that they're they're truly gonna get all the news because they were at san diego comic-con and then disney has their own convention that they have as well so of course you know that Marvel's going to be there too so it's just Marvel everywhere, but I wanted to give you guys a rundown of the Disney Plus shows that they talked about so far, including the new movies. All of this is going to be a part of Phase Four. Keep in mind that Phase Four, the shows on Disney Plus, are going to be intertwined with the movies. So this is going to be very, really interesting with it, the way they're going to handle this. Uh, so I wanted to. With that being said, I'll just go into the movie that's going to show you that they're going to be combined, which is Doctor Strange in the, the Multiverse of Madness. That's gonna be connected with WandaVision, which is going to be on Disney+. Plus. So WandaVision, of course, is going to be Wanda, Vision, and I believe her name is Monica Rambeau. And so that's gonna be the three of them in WandaVision. And whatever you see on WandaVision will be tied directly into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And I'm excited about this because I want for us to be able to see that the Multiverse actually exists And that could be a way for them to introduce Miles Morales to the actual MCU proper. I think that would be really, really cool. So that's why I'm looking forward to that. Also, coming up on Disney Plus will be The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, which the really cool concept behind What If, people aren't really making a big deal about What If right now, but I think it's going to be really cool. And uh, The Watcher is going to be played by Jeffrey Wright. So automatically, you know, that's going to be awesome. But What If is going to be about what would take place kind of in alternate realities if certain situations didn't happen. And so when Kevin Feige pointed up to the screen and you saw like, I think like 20 faces of celebrities who have all been in different Marvel movies before, who have all agreed to come back and play their characters again for this show, what? Like, I saw Michael B. Jordan's face come up, and I'm like, how cool is this going to be to see a take on what different, what could, how it could have been different with, uh, with Killmonger? Like, I'm really looking forward to this show. I think that it's going to be really cool. And having, again, having Jeffrey Wright as the watcher is only going to make me want to watch it even more. What I'm not necessarily looking forward to is Hawkeye. I, I, could really care less about this show and I'm hoping it proves me wrong I hope it's one of those shows where you know no one really feels like they're going to be interested and then the storyline and the acting just completely blow you away so uh, I think that's all as far as Disney Disney plus so then we get into the movies so we have uh, I talked about Doctor Strange earlier we also have the Eternals which is jam-packed with stars uh what brian tyree henry angelina jolie salma hayek yeah they're bringing out a lot of really great stars for that movie then we have shang chi so we're finally going to have our first marvel movie that's led by a person uh, who of asian descent so that's going to be awesome so shout out to everyone who's a part of that and i really hope it does well in theaters i really really hope it does well because of course we need for them to have more representation as well so that will be really awesome uh, then we have uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, which is really cool because not only will you have Chris Helmsworth and uh, Tessa Thompson being Thor and Valkyrie, but they're introducing, well, not introducing, I-, I guess they're introducing Lady Thor. However, <laughs> she's going to be played by Natalie Portman. And for those of you who are familiar with the comic book, you'll know that the character that Natalie Portman has played, Jane, eventually becomes Lady Thor. So I think this is really cool. Taika Waititi is going to be coming back as the director. And for those of you who saw The Last Thor, you see how he completely spun that. And I think that if it wasn't for Taika, there wouldn't be a fourth Thor. The reason why he's still a part of the universe is because one, that movie did so well, but also his third movie was kind of his first because everyone collectively believes that the first two movies sucked. So it's almost like they're reintroducing Thor all over again and going from drama to comedy. So it'll be interesting to see, especially knowing what happened with Jane in the comic books and how if they go off of what happened to her and who she was, you know, as a as a human into who she is when she becomes more like a god when she holds Mjolnir, it'll be interesting to see if they put that in there and how you can take that storyline of cancer and find some way to make humor in that. That will be very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing it greatly. So then the last two movies that we have for phase four would be Black Widow. And I mean, I'm look, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm kind of looking forward to it. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how I feel about that. I feel like they kind of missed the mark. I feel like they could have had Black Widow a long time ago. She could have been phase two or phase three you know, but having her now as phase four, especially seeing how we're kind of creating a new Avengers team feels a little weird to me. That's just my personal opinion. But last, 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 Kevin Feige had everyone come over and take their group picture. And I'm hoping that they ended up taking a a second group picture because he deserved to be in it as well. But once they finished the group picture, you assumed it was ending in Hall H. However, Kevin Feige then announces that they're bringing somebody else out. So he announces two-time Academy Award winner, Mahershala Ali. So Mahershala comes walking out, and when he gets next to Kevin Feige, Kevin says, I see that you're holding a hat in your hand. So what is the hat? So Mahershala then dons the hat, and when he puts it on, you see that it says Blade. And bold across the screen above them says Marvel Studios Blade. Mahershala Ali is going to be Blade. I personally think it's a phenomenal idea. (laughs) I think it's a great idea. There are some people who have argued that Wesley Snipes should still be Blade. I would disagree. I believe that he played Blade a very long time ago and it's now time for New Blood, which is funny as he is a vampire. Um, All love to Wesley Snipes, but why would you bring back the original person? I don't know. Some people might feel like it's a better feel. I think it's time for something fresh. Also, people have said that they don't know how you can have him be a part of it when he was also Cottonmouth in Luke Cage. Now, for those of you who don't know, Kevin Feige very rarely acknowledges the existence of Marvel Knights. He doesn't necessarily care for the people behind the scenes of Marvel Knights. So for him, it's two totally different universes. However, there's a possibility that Marvel Knights may end up being on Disney+. Plus. I don't think so, but if it does happen, it'll be a little difficult for them to have their shows that are streaming on Disney+, Plus intertwined with the movies, and then that not be the case with Disney Nights. So, if that does happen with Disney Nights and it does become a part of it, I personally think that it would be hilarious if Mike Coulter comes back to being Luke Cage and he interacts with Blade, and then he has to pause for a second and talk about how he looks familiar to him. I just think it would be funny. I personally think that it would be. So all of you who are making a big deal out of fact that he's playing two different characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hey, go off the flow, you know, go off the flow. I personally, especially because Cottonmouth, spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen uh, Luke Cage, Cottonmouth is dead, you know? So it's like, it's not like it's gonna be something where he's gonna walk up on himself. The character's gone, you know? So go with it, flow with it. I love it and I can't wait I can't wait for Blade, I can't wait for Phase 4, and he also said, you know, that with everything that they talked about, they never had an opportunity to talk about Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, the Fantastic Four, and as he said, the Mutants, which of course, as we know, will be the X-Men and more. So that's exciting. That's exciting to know that these are all things that are going to be intertwined into phase four. So before we even get to phase five, they're all intertwined into phase four. So phase four is only two years long. Just two years long. And that's everything that I named off to you guys. So in two years, it's going to be chock full of a lot of movies and TV shows. So that's going to be really cool. Also on uh, uh, Rustling While Black, my other podcast that I host with my bro Rob, I'm gonna talk about uh, Comic-Con as well because the WWE ended up coming out and one of the things that they discussed with people at their, uh, at their hall was how they're combining the WWE with the Masters of the, of the Universe, meaning WWE characters are actually dressed up as He-Man characters. For anyone who knows me, I'm a huge He-Man and She-Ra fan, have been since I was a kid, so I can't wait to talk about that on Wrestling While Black. That's really cool to me. And lastly, for Culture of Pop, I wanted to talk about Pose. So, Pose on their uh I was gonna talk about episodes four and five, but I think I'll just talk about four. Um eh, we'll see how I feel at the end of talking about four. So season two, episode four, was called Never Knew Love Like This Before. And it was spoiler. For those who haven't seen it by the time you hear this it'll literally be one day away from two episodes since this aired so hopefully you've seen it by now but i do know people who are just catching up so i'm saying spoiler to give you an opportunity to skip past this go to the segment markers as i always tell you guys to do and click on the next part and keep it pushing you know but candy dies in this episode candy ferocity who was played by angelica ross she dies and It hit home for me because of the way that she was killed. She was killed by what do they call them? Um, A John or whatever. Uh, She ended up sleeping with someone and they killed her and put her body in a closet. And it hit home for me because I had a dear friend named Goldie. She was originally Golden and then she, uh, she transitioned into being Goldie. And Goldie was a beautiful spirit, and I knew her in my late teens. So the reason why she was so brave to me, and I mean even braver in hindsight, is because she was willing to live in her truth in the 90s. And you see now as transgenders are still fighting for equality. Still fighting for equality. And where they are now is nowhere near where they were decades ago. So, that took a lot of guts for Goldie to live in her truth so boldly, you know? And when I received the news, I just remember my mom and I both being in shock. But me loving my mother even then, because for my mother, it didn't matter if it was Golden or Goldie, she loved her either way. And so the both of us were so broken in that moment in hearing about that news. And it stuck with my mother for a while. It really did, you know, because Goldie was killed in the exact same manner. I mean, literally in the exact same manner. And it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to hear that news, you know. So in watching this episode, it hit something in me. But I wanted to say something really quick because there was a lot of backlash towards Prates Hell on that episode. There were people who didn't feel as though uh, Billy Porter should have had such a big role in that particular episode. And to those people, I would say this. If Prates Hell wasn't offered the platform to be able to share with Candy post her death, The reason why he responded to her the way he did. And for those of you who haven't seen it, who are still listening, who don't care about spoilers or have seen it and are just listening to what it is that I'm sharing. He shared with her that he felt less than and because of the way that she shined and she walked in her beauty and her dark skin, you know, and her being trans, that she lived boldly and proudly and she walked in that. And he was envious because he was unable to, as a cis-homosexual man, he was unable to do what she was able to do, and he envied her for it. If we didn't allow him the opportunity to have that much screen time in that episode, he couldn't have had that arc. It wouldn't have been possible for him, you know? And the truth and the reality is that people like him are very, very real in this society. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, somebody who is quote unquote closeted looking at somebody who's living out loud. If it's a cis heterosexual man looking at somebody who's queer, you know, if it doesn't matter if it's uh, maybe a light skinned woman who doesn't feel beautiful, but it's a dark skinned woman who's living fully in her truth. It goes across the board. There are people in this world who don't love themselves and because they don't love who they are, they're going to take it out on you. You've done nothing to them. You're living beautifully in your truth. They can't accept that. That is not on you, you know? And this episode showed that. So kudos to Billy Porter for allowing his character to be able to show all of that. It's wonderful to be able to see a character who's supposed to be so beloved simply be human. That's it. His character is reality. None of us are perfect. None of us are just good people, you know? We have all had ugly moments. All of us. And that is an ugly for him. So kudos to them for that. And for those of you who were furious because Angelica was, as you assumed, out of a job, that's not true. (laughs) She had already begun filming for American Horror Story 1984, you know? So Ryan Murphy did not let go of her. She left from one job directly into another. And you know how he does, it's an ensemble situation. So you're probably going to see her in the anthology again. And how wonderful is that, that there's now going to be a transgender woman in an anthology series, where she's gonna be able to play and dig deep into being all different characters. How wonderful is that going to be? So congratulations to her, that's amazing. And congratulations to them on an episode that I would have to say is one of the most important hours of television in history. And I mean that. And I really hope that people take the time to watch that episode. I really do. So, that is it for the culture of pop. <laughs> it was so much longer than this before, but I'm really going to take it as a sign that I wasn't supposed to go any further into it. So, sending love and light out to all of my beautiful trans brothers and sisters. I love you. Continue to shine bright. I walk with you as many of us do. Please continue to shine bright. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's all about what the theme of this episode is, which is healing through dating. Yes, I did not even mention that at the beginning of the show. Forgive me. (laughs) Healing through dating. We'll be back. People are often looking for someone who shares their mutual pain, or someone who can save them from their own. Dating these days is often less about what two people can do for each other, and more about what your partner can do for you. Hard stop. Because so many people are operating out of a space of pain, dating for them is a band-aid with hearts on it. People fool themselves into believing that they're ready to create something special with another person. But their wounds have not healed. Their childhood wounds. Their past romantic relationship wounds. Their daily trauma wounds. Relationships these days have far less to do with building something solid and more to do with finding someone to hold up your dilapidated remains. Dating on social media has been a shit show, mostly because you're constantly running into people who are looking for you to validate their existence. I found this to be true because I'll come to these men with a clear heart and words that are as transparent as cellophane, and yet they find themselves angry with me, mocking me, ridiculing me because I don't want instant love. I don't want a 30-day courtship or love through a computer screen. Logic turns to dust on social media. Sitting on the other side of your phone or laptop is a human being that is looking for a way to escape themselves, and if you don't provide the exact escape they crave, you are now the enemy. Most people aren't dating with the intent to hurt, however... Their wounds haven't healed properly, and those band aids they've used over the years do what all band aids do in time wear and fall off. They are still in pain, and more often than not, to them, you look like what caused their pain. So instead of seeing you as a fresh start, they instead see you as trauma continued. This can make dating very difficult. Because we become a society of people tiptoeing around one another, scared of opening up, and scared of opening up others. Many people make a bad habit of putting their pain's face on the bodies of other people. They're rarely taking into consideration that other souls may also be battling great pain themselves. Most people fear doing the work on themselves before entering into a romantic relationship. I've heard many say that their lover, partner, spouse should be willing to help them through their trauma and past pain. My question to those of you who think this way is, why? I ask why because I rarely hear these same people share that they're ready and willing to help the other party battle their past pain as well. Many people are looking for an emotional babysitter, not a romantic partner. Someone to watch their pain while they go out and enjoy life. My dear sweet misfits, love doesn't look like that. I want to be clear about something. I have never stated that I am perfect. Far from it. And one thing that all of us need to do is constantly question our role when interacting with other people, whether it be dating or a long-term romantic relationship. I myself know that in past relationships, I've come off as condescending and or judgmental. But in doing my work, I've come to realize that this is my armor. As someone who was often bullied for the way I spoke and carried myself in my youth, as an adult, I would use that as a way to attempt to make others feel smaller. So when I was meant with anger or pettiness by a lover, my goal was to remain calm and to appear to be the superior adult. The problem with doing the work in this area was once I unlocked that door cleaned out that room and moved my peace into it i still didn't know how to exist properly in their mental or emotional homes i've been with several men since doing this work on myself where i make sure that they know that i see them and that i'm here while they're doing their work yet i'm still the enemy And this is why I'm such a huge proponent of two or more people taking the time to get to know one another before beginning a relationship. Because I've met some amazing men in my life, and I've been saddened by how some of them have treated me. But I come to realize that it's not them talking. Their pain is their representative. Too many of us sit back while our pain takes the podium giving long diatribes that often deter men from wanting to have anything to do with us, or it does the opposite and brings all the wrong men to us. Many people listening to this are more than likely in relationships that they feel are ideal, simply because their anger rivals one another. Yet, said anger wears the mask of love. But with time, the masks can suffocate you. And you'd rather end it and run away than to show your partner the vulnerability underneath. But we must allow ourselves to be vulnerable. As my dear friend Donye says, we must be willing to be soft with ourselves. I love a lot of you brothers, but I see way too many of you online arguing why you're angry and that no one can tell you when to heal. True, we all heal on our own time, but I personally think it's dangerous how many people support each other in using their pain as weapons for months, for years. If healing is an option, why not exhaust the fuck out of it? That journey will look different for everyone. But blatantly choosing to stay in a place of anger and rage is hurting you more than your current or future partner. So let's pause and seek peace within. I know what I'm saying right now isn't easy for a lot of people. I have friends and clients who admit to me often that they worry about being left alone with themselves. People genuinely fear having to deal with their pain. However, this is why therapists exist. This is why life coaches exist. Healers are out here ready to help you in your healing. But you have to be ready to let the walls down, even if just for a little bit. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So during Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, I want to specifically speak to my people of color who are listening to this. No matter where you are. Let's not keep repeating the same cycles. Challenge yourself to heal love yourself enough to feel you deserve a new chapter want to love you and be okay with not having a romantic partner until you love yourself enough for it manage your pain and once you have a proper grasp on it however that may look then open yourself up to dating and not a minute sooner You are hurting yourself and any potential love by going into any romantic relationship on an almost empty tank of self-love. That could look like self-dates, morning meditations, daily affirmations, as stated earlier, therapy. It could be working out at the gym, doing yoga, writing in a journal, coloring in an adult coloring book, reading. There are a myriad of different ways you can fill your self-love tank. This is what I mean by healing through dating. If you're capable of dating yourself, of taking yourself out, of getting to know you, asking yourself the tough questions, loving yourself deeply, then you'll be ready to date another, to grow with another. What matters most is that you pour into you. Please start pouring into yourself daily, Misfits. I hope this has helped. I hope this has healed. We'll be back with good news. The healing space is a safe space for everyone in the Misfit universe, and I love hearing from all of you. So make sure that you're reaching out to me all over social media. If you're looking to connect to the podcast, that's THS Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, underscore THS Podcast on Twitter, and our official website, THSpodcast.com. If you're looking for me, that will be Scorpio Yogi all over social media. That's Scorpy Yogi. Please make sure that you guys are subscribing, you're sharing, you're retweeting, you're reposting. Make sure you're getting us out there. Like every episode, this way more people are able to find us and get their healing in. Lastly, for any questions or comments, you can email us at ths at Revolution Com. Again, that's T-H-S at revolutionmultimedia.com. Okay, let's get back to healing. And now it is time for good news. So first, I wanted to talk about queer black men healing together. So I was having a conversation with my friend D'Angelo. We were on Marco. You know how I do when it comes to Marco. And I don't remember everything we talked about in the discussion. All I know is that what it is that I felt inside for a while. I have always felt like so many of us, and it's not just meaning queer black men, but people in general, you know, it's like, why don't we show up for each other more? So often people feel like they're in competition, you know? And when you move to a lot of these urban, major urban cities, there's so many instances where black, queer are men are so cliquish, you know, it's like we all belong to our different groups and things of that nature. And it's perfectly fine to have your own inner circle. It's very important, actually. But when it's something where it's so many of us that are separate and we don't ever come together for anything together is where I believe that there's a problem. I said together too many times in that last sentence. <laughs> so I was saying to D'Angelo that I wanted to bring together a group of healers black queer healers people who want to actually go out and make a difference in the community to heal people but also to heal one another so not just something where we're pouring into everyone else outside of the circle but within our circle within our collective we're also pouring into each other there are a lot of people that i know here in atlanta to do some beautiful healing work and some of us support each other, you know? I've had some of them come and take yoga with me. I've gone and, you know, in some instances, maybe a massage or something of that nature where I've made sure that I've given back to their business. And I think that we, if we all come together as a collective, how powerful would that be, you know? If we were all promoting one another, if we were all showing up for each other, you know? And I think that will be something really, really special. And I don't want to just do this for Atlanta. I want to take this nationwide. And so that's why I don't have a problem verbalizing it on the podcast. Because it was shared with me. One person was like, you probably need to move forward with doing it before somebody else does it. Hey, I've put it out into the universe already. You know, I've put it on social media. If somebody else takes the idea and doesn't give me credit, hey, that's the universe clearly doing something. And so I'll just flow with it. But... I've put meetings in place, I'm going to start meeting with people this week to begin to figure out what this can look like. Because I'm I'm very serious about this, and I don't want it to just be Atlanta. So I've already started talking to people in other cities about what it would look like if we did it in those cities as well. To some people it may feel like a no brainer, but a lot of times people don't see each other. A lot of times we are so wrapped up in whatever it is that we're taking care of that we're not seeing, you know, wow, this could be a great opportunity to really be able to do so much, not just for each other, but for our community as well. And queer black men need healing. Let's be very, very clear about that. Queer black men need healing. So I want that to be something that I contribute to. I've searched for a while for how I could truly make an impact here in Atlanta, and I believe that this is how I can do it, you know? So queer black men healing together, putting that out there now, so when we look back on this episode in the future, you'll be able to see where it first started. Next, we go into the feedback from all of you beautiful misfits all across the country in regard to the questions that I posed when it comes to the last episode, Healing Through the Fire with uh, Mr. D. Rashad Battle. So there's a clip that I've been posting on social media of a part of the conversation that I was having with D. Rashad uh, in regards to creatives who write. So it doesn't matter if it's poetry, if it's you know screenwriting, playwriting, whatever it is. What is your preferred style of writing? Would you rather write by pen or would you rather type, be it laptop, tablet, etc.? And the responses were pretty cool. I appreciate everyone who decided to be a part of it. It really means a lot. Adi Rashad, if you guys listened to the last episode, stated that he personally likes to write everything down. So that's his way. However, it was a mixed bag when it came to everybody's responses on Facebook. So I'll begin reading them now. And I shared with everybody on there that I plan to talk about this on the podcast so I can use their names full out. So first, Robin Seaborn actually shared, and she said, I love to write. I love how a pen or pencil is in my hand, the way my hand just flows with my mind and tool. Seeing my inflictions, the tightness or looseness of my words in every sense. I love being able to get it all out, all down. The only words I can say t- the only words I can take back. I love the classic arts. K. Eric Perry stated, I totally agree. Writing is a service rendered onto one's masterpiece. Clyde Hampton shared, I am anti-paper. I prefer to type it. Nick Friday shared, I consider writing and typing one and the same. Typing allows editing and alignment. Writing by hand is the practice of muscle memory. Typing gets the work out to a medium fast. Typing gets the work the work out to a medium faster. Both art forms are necessary for pre- preservation. I like how you put that. Uh, you know, you guys know I'm all about ba- balance. So shout out to the balance of that statement. <laughs> Nathan Hale Williams shared, I write notes and thoughts and ideas down on paper for sure until it's complete. Then everything else on computer. Once again, balance. There we go. Ta'kia Hope Carter said, I say, do you? That's why we're creatives. We create. An avenue for ourselves within our genre of, com- uh, with, excuse me, within our genre of expression. I'm reading too fast. Thus, solidifying ourselves as creatives. I type because I can type as fast as I think. If I write, I often forget the end of the line as I write. So again, do you. Michael D. Martin shared, I write in my phone simply out of convenience. I can type in my phone faster than I can write by hand and carrying my phone is much easier and more natural than carrying a notebook. Shelly Washington shared, I grew up with word processing. I write everything digitally. I don't even, know, I don't even like looking at my own handwriting. Amen, Shelly. <laughs> Amen. I went away for a week of training for my job and the entire time we were having to write, it was a literal nightmare for me. A week full of writing. Oh my God, I despise my own handwriting. So I guess I kind of let you guys know which side I lean on. <laughs> no, I am not balanced. <laughs> I like typing solely. <laughs> then we have Janice Berkeley. She shared, I feel like writing is essential. It's a discipline and a physical release onto paper that you can't, go, that you can't get on an electronic device. It's hand-eye coordination. It's also a big factor in memorization. I feel like my song journals are works of art that I crafted by heart and hand. Lastly, Jonathan Douglas shared, I write everything by hand, long hand, in notebooks. Then I transfer it to computer. It's the only way I can find the right words. So again, balance, you know? I, I appreciate balance. While I may not be balanced myself, everything's tight. I appreciate those who may start out writing and then decide to type it out after, transferring it over, you know? Uh, so that way you have the best of both. But there are some of us who like one more than the other and that's totally fine. I just love all of you guys giving your feedback, you know? I knew when it came to creatives who write, I knew that there would be uh, responses back from everyone because people are people are passionate about their writing, you know? And so uh, I appreciate everyone giving their feedback. This has been a great episode. I don't know how long this is going to be. Listen, once that 50 minutes was cut, I was just like, you know, I don't know how long this episode will be. <laughs> but we're continuing on with the, uh, the Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. So I'm looking forward to the next episode. I've learned to stop saying what the episode is going to be ahead of time because there's a possibility the episode may fall through. So I'm going to be quiet on sharing who our guest is for the next episode. But I hope that you guys come back. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And we're slowly making our march towards our two-year anniversary. I'm looking forward to it. I feel like I talked really fast on this episode. So I'm going to... Slow down a bit. (laughs) Well, at least when it came to doing good news and doing uh, culture of pop and everything. And that may be because I'm recording both of those on Sunday. The previous two, talking about dating, which is the theme of this episode, and meditation, both of those came days prior. So maybe I'm just really amped when I'm recording this on Sunday. I don't know what it is. Lay my ass down, <laughs> do some meditation. You know, turn uh, have my essential oils going, turn on my waterfall, and just chill out. Because I'm like really amped, and I don't know why. I'm also hot because I needed to turn off the AC in order to record this, and I'm burning up right now. So I'm about to turn all of that stuff on and just relax. Just relax. Focus on my mental health <laughs> as I go into the next work week. So, you guys are listening to this on Tuesday. I hope that you take your uh, time, if you're into wrestling, to listen to Wrestling While Black, which is already posted, posted a day prior to this. Uh, I just said you're listening to this on Tuesday. This is the fourth, and I'm going to say last, time I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop making it seem like you're listening to this the day of, which would be wonderful if all of you, <laughs> in mass, listened to this show all at the exact same time. <laughs> but whenever you're listening to this, Take some some time out for yourself. It doesn't have to be Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Every single day, we should be focused on our mental health. So please, misfits, take a moment out for you. And when I say moment, I literally mean that. It takes only but minutes to check in with you to make sure that you're okay. And if you're not, let's focus on always doing something about it. I love you all. And until next time, namaste.